So, <coughs> to um, reframe uh, the Buddhist path and the reason for the needing to be a path, which is the, you know, one of the key features of the Buddha's teaching is, yeah, it's not, these aren't just acts of faith or revelations from on high. These is, there is a path, and the path is expressed in quite a few ways. The Eightfold Path, the path of dana, sila, nikama, uh, sorry, generosity, morality, renunciation, um, Four Noble Truths. Uh, so the various ways, a sense of something progressive, leading onwards. Uh, so this Dhamma wheel, something that moves onwards, uh, even though in a way it's just turning. Yeah. Uh, but it, it moves from suffering to the end of suffering, and there are definite um, cog- cognizable features to that. It's not just miraculous or, or something that can only happen as a flash in the pan you know, realization. There, there is a, a path, a graduated path that can be undertaken. This is one of the amazing features of the Buddha, he real he re- had his his realizations without a path. <laughs> yeah, and there's not many beings who can do that. Uh, but out of compassion, over the time meeting people and trying to find out where he could get into people's problems, where people were stuck, where people get enmeshed. He found that, yeah, there are certain key features that can be highlighted for each individual that that run true for everyone. And so there is a path, and I can present this path in a number of ways. And this is what he taught, spent his life doing that. So path goes from this to that, from suffering to the end of suffering, essentially, which is what we want to know. Another way of putting it, which may seem slightly more you know, theoretical, but is actually extremely pertinent once you understand what these terms mean, is karma and the end of karma. The Buddha teaches karma and the end of karma. Here, what's karma? Another piece of Buddhist jargon. Well, karma is action, and it's results of action. And action is both bodily and verbal, but its primary quality is as a, a decisive engagement with a with a mental perception. <laughs> Easy phrase to handle, isn't it? It means something arises in your mind, you, you lock onto it and you act. Something arises in the mind, it triggers, and there's a jump. Yeah, you don't necessarily consciously decide to act, but there's a an attraction or a compulsive grasp at something that arises, a perception, a mood, a feeling, a memory. And there's a sense of an engagement, uh, and then the, then something starts moving, and the narrative starts spinning out, or you jump up into this, that, and the other, or there's a feeling of just swooning away from that difficult point. You kind of collapse, and oh, you're somewhere else. Yeah, there was a jump there, and I'm trying to point that out. Um, and yeah, it takes time because you don't notice the jump; you just notice where you've jumped to, and you're in that piece of so-called reality again and you're thrashing around inside it trying to make it work and who's to blame and what's wrong with me and it's him or her or them you know or I should be or I shouldn't be or something other and you you know furnishing your damage (laughs) putting another coat of paint on the train wreck Kind of pretty it up, or, or or justify it, or find out who derailed it. Well, believe it or not, something in you did it, <laughs> but don't take it personally. <laughs> Ignorance did it. Craving did it. Yeah. So that there's that there is the origin of karma. Yeah, the action. You know, so something decisively catches. And then there's a reaction. And based upon that, we start getting active on that. 
we start strategizing, we start thinking, planning, you know, often a lot of the action is purely psychological action. You don't do much, you just sit there and there's a lot of psychological action going on. Yeah. Uh, this is mental karma. And based upon that, one starts to, or the mind starts to generate a world of what I need to do and who's this and who's that. And then verbal action comes out and bodily action. I'll go here, I'll go there, I'll say this, I'll do that, I'll talk to him, I'll figure this out, I'll build that, I'll buy that, I'll have this, I'll make that, I'll do that. So there's the origin of action, karma. And it arises from contact. Something touches, and there's a hold, and then the jump. Yeah, something, contact. Contact means an impression lands, is received, and there's a seizure around that. And a lot of this stuff is perceptual. Memory, flash on somebody's behavior, some sign that you see in the world around you touches something, and there's contact. Mm. Now, in one way you could say contact's happening all the time, mostly it just kind of floats over us, it doesn't really catch. But there's a particular uh, contact called called Adivajana Pasa, whereby that's named and designated, it's got a real I am this. It's so immediate, again, we hardly notice it, but we feel touched and affected, and there's the movement. And this is not always unpleasant, incidentally. Sometimes this movement touches us, we feel happy and excited, and we we jump into, uh, you know, wanting more of that, or building on that, building a house on that. And this is good good karma. Not bad. Not to be avoided. Good karma, but notice where that arose. You know, we had a good day, we got some pleasant feeling, we felt more comfortable in ourselves, we felt more confident, and we start to go, oh yeah, this is really swinging along, you know, <laughs> or, or whatever, you know, good karma. And the Buddha said, yeah, do, please do a lot of good karma, but the most important kind of good karma you can do is called bhavana, cultivate your chitta, while you have the chance, while you're in good, while you're in, you know, while you've got some credits, invest them in the right place, uh, cultivate, while you've got a healthy body, be grateful. You know, while you've got people not beating you up, be grateful. While you've got freedom from imprisonment, enjoy it. <laughs> you know, some, and then really make use of, of beneficial contact. Don't just dream on it, uh, but take it in, let it enrich, comfort, satisfy, steady the heart, uh, fortify, because the bad stuff's going to come at you. So this is karma originates from contact. Something touches. There's a decisive engagement for good or for bad. Remember just this is not, you know, black and white. This is not saying, you just recognize that and saying, yeah, good karma is to be encouraged. Uh, but then really absorb and invest that credit where it's going to pay the most good in releasing yourself from doubt, worry, restlessness, agitation, bitterness, regret, cynicism, guilt. You know, really clean your your chitta, clean yourself of these uh, hindrances and, and, and distractions. Rejoice in the goodness that you have. And you may find this kind of like, what goodness, you know? So there are, of course, um, some very powerful afflictions, obscurations, and we'll get round to that. But essentially, we inherit what's called old karma, vipaka, which is the inheritance of birth. And we inherit also the results of our own good deeds, but we also inherit the predicament of birth. Everybody's been born. So this is called vipaka, or old karma, and based upon that is our sense of who we are, 
and based upon that we have a certain number of op- we, we assume we have a certain number of options based upon the model the blueprint of who we sense ourselves as being therefore we act probably as best we can based upon that blueprint of who we sense we are of how we sense we are and yeah therefore we try to do what will bring around as best results as possible dependent upon who we sense we are how we sense we are good karma you know we try to do the best we can occasionally we'd make a mistake but by and large we try to do the best we can i think it's actually fundamental to human beings strange enough you may think may disagree but i imagine you know that uh, following certain ideological positions you know people you know this is for the love of god god told me to do this i'm doing my duty to god which means you know generally something quite brutal because <laughs> although you know the blueprint of who a person assumes himself to be could mean i'm a practicing fundamentalist one of these that's why i take a stand on this is right everything else is wrong god asked me to do this you know i may take a position on i'm a loyal member of this nation therefore i have to go out and do this kind of thing and because you know we take a stand on this uh, you know you don't have to fill in the details but really a person probably thinks they're doing something a bit difficult or painful but it's for the sake of the good the holy the sacred the right the justice the freedom the democracy the truth and so forth yeah <laughs> This hurts you more than it does me. <laughs> Unfortunately. But I don't recognize that. You know, you know when they burnt people at the stake, it was so they, their souls would not go to hell. Doing them a favor. So, you know, incredible ability to be for the mind to be distorted by that blueprint of of what we take a stand where we take a stand and i assume that most of us haven't really taken a stand on that position yet yeah but there's a possibility for that there's new karma fresh karma dependent upon what we've inherited and what we've inherited becomes who we sense ourselves as being including the options the possibilities the things like i never could be or can't do and the things that i more or less have to do because this is the way i am this gives me a sense of that yeah mm. now this seemingly natural and normal position is actually um, conditioned and though it's very normal it is uh, a source of suffering for one's for oneself and others the personal package is a source of suffering for oneself and others mm. or limitation put it that way or stress put it that way i always have to keep doing something in order to keep my act together be accepted be okay come out on top get make a living so on and so forth that's stressful there's a sense of obligation you know, comes with that personal package we're no longer we're not free and we assume that's that's yeah that's the way it has to be but this is already stressful and it tends to bias us yeah i have to do this so I'm sorry i can't attend to that as you know you know the the job the work i've got to do this otherwise i'm going to get a sack so i can't you know attend to other things mm. so it's very much structured into the society so one one is limited in what one can do by the personal package and how the whole society works around the personal package this is not an easy thing to 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 deal with and really uh but just recognizing there there is there is karma every time we decisively act and engage there's new karma and we'll probably do the best we can so often it's mottled 
It's some good and some deluded and some blindness and some compulsiveness. A bit of mixture. So there's bad karma, good karma, mingled karma. Yeah. You know? And there's the end of karma, which means there's a, there's a release from that obligation to keep doing, keep making, keep becoming, keep adding, keep getting it together, keep being somebody, keep proving, keep trying to be accepted, keep trying to fit in, keep trying to prove you're as good as the next person, worry about yourself. There's an end to that, that psychological running on, which, uh, you know, kind of gives us a form, but a form that, like a sandcastle, has to keep being shored up as the waves come in and, and wash it down. And you get very stressful holding that together. And you begin to experience your stress becomes experience of stress. Your mind is stressful. It's, it's tight. It's agitated. It gets snappy and temperamental. It's not comfortable. Your body starts to seize up. You get tight. You get you get a lot of somatic tension in your body and this is you know and then for uh, a certain number of people they begin to think wait a minute this is yeah whoa what's going on here got to do something about it yeah thank goodness the chitta starts to mumble i'm not happy with you you know this isn't working idiot you know you don't know what to do about it so you try and cultivate Something about meditation or uh, cultivate, get me out of this mess, get me skip my package together. So, because that's what we want, and to a certain extent, meditation will do that. It will get your personal package, so you're at least a bit more moral. You recognise, yeah, that I can do some real bad stuff with that stuff. So I'll put that down. I'll start to do some good stuff. You know. I feel any interest in compassion and generosity and kindness and so forth in helping others. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, you know, I'll refrain from drinking. Beautiful. Stealing. You know, criticizing, cursing, swearing. Beautiful stuff. Lovely. Wonderful. It's very much to be encouraged. You're waiting for the butt, aren't you? <laughs> Well, there's a part. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're still suffering. <laughs> and you wonder why? Because you get stressed, you get angry, oh dear, you know. Still, you worry about other people. Uh, you take on more than you can manage, trying to do a lot of good, trying to help people, trying to work things out. You get overloaded. With that, uh, and you just wonder how much can I do in this world? You know, how much can I? God, look around. Gee, you know, it's horrible out there. What can I do? So you know, you, you get into that kind of thing of the compassion fatigue, and then so then you eventually sort of oh, I'll f- drop out, go on retreat. You know, just get down again, and this sort of movement in and out. You know, the the, the person is, is is problematic. Now, you know, but certainly, you know, we keep doing that, and that's that's really to be encouraged to to do the good, and to learn to calm, and to learn to appreciate the happiness and the joy of skillful karma. Yeah, because this is going to certainly bring you into the territory where you can begin to acknowledge because your mind is a bit clearer and freer from these really heavy um, negative forces. So you begin to see where now, you know, the jumping occurs, where this reactivity occurs. This is the, you know, the problem of the meditator, doing the best they can, Put a lot of effort in, still finding themselves getting triggered and touched by contact. Somebody coughed and I want to kill them. Whoops. <laughs> well, I'm not going to do it, which is good, but wow, where did that come from? You know?
those is even though we don't act upon it, it's still that psychological you know grasp around contact impressions mm. wouldn't it be nice if contact impressions didn't do that to us if we could hear offensive difficult things i didn't want things i didn't agree with things that intr- and i wouldn't actually jump i just let it flow through wouldn't that be nice yeah wouldn't it be nice if that that kind of stopped yeah that i could be with difficult things unpleasant things downright offensive things rude things people getting nasty to me and not get that happening wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be actually more secure than trying to make everybody like me and nice and so forth? <laughs> That's a possibility. And what is it? it could happen that way. That could be done. That could, we could do that. But there is a doing to get to that place. So this is the action, the decisive action to get to the end of karma, to where you're not reacting, to where you're not grasping, to where you're not being triggered by impressions, to where the old karma of your inheritance, of your blueprint, no longer gets you jumping. Yeah. There is a path there to that. So there is a decisive action called the Eightfold Path, or called a number of things actually, but we call it the Eightfold Path, uh, very reasonable. It's really to do, again, you know, intention is karma. Intention is the decisive engagement with a mental perception, with a mental sense, the mental thought or mood, or a mental inclination, decisive engagement with it. So this is intentionality, and there's intentionality for good, intentionality for bad, intentionality that's a bit mingled and swings around, and intentionality to penetrate and get to the end of karma. And that's the one that the good karma is there to support. You get good enough, comfortable enough, decent enough, calm enough, loving enough to get the system clear and clean enough to to get to penetrate the personal package. Mm. Because this chitta, you know, somehow within or beneath or around, I don't know, or a relationship, but from the chitta arises the personal package and the personal package can also be released, or there's a descent, we could say, you could call it an ascent, but somehow I find descent is a little more helpful, a releasing into chitta. And chitta then can be released from generating this blueprint self, this model that I keep acting upon, with its fears and inadequacies and no-go areas, and I, I shouldn't, and I couldn't, and I can't, and I don't. You know, all that, and I've got to, and I must, and I have to, and all that, yeah. This is the, and this is the decisive action sustained through wisdom, through viveka, through disengaging from the compulsive, and then starting to make wise, increasingly wiser and informed choices about where your attention goes where it goes and how it goes and how it travels. And this is called insight, you know. You calm, you clarify, you steady, you have to do that to open the system up enough to get into those places where, you know, the triggering occurs and you're able to sense somehow there's an awareness of that and the shift is from the trigger to the awareness of the trigger you know it's extraordinarily simple a depth is extraordinarily simple 
there's the trigger and there's the awareness of the trigger. And right where those, so right in your place of triggering is the most potent place. Because that's the piece you really need to know for, for release. It's lovely to know the places where you're free and open, that's beautiful, and you want to have a lot of that to give you confidence, to get your, your resources together. And really, I think, personally, huge amount of practice is just doing that. You know, probably 80%. Drinking it in. It's called absorption. Jhana. And all that, that entails. Uh, I'll talk more about that. There's, a, there's an action that does that as well. There's a decisive engagement to deliberately acknowledge, receive, drink in, feed, saturate yourself with good stuff. The really good stuff. <laughs> yeah, To begin to feel steady enough, refreshed, really to know, also to know this whole body-mind system internally in itself. So you can begin to touch into those places where the numb spots are, the dead spots are, the black holes are, or the sparks start flying. And right there, there's the possibility to, to shift from the trigger to the awareness of the trigger, and the trigger is dismantled by itself. By itself. That's the beauty of it. So, release is actually involuntary. There is voluntary, decisive engagement and action to penetrate to the place, the trigger, the place where we feel shaky or irresolute or whatever it is. And if the widen into the awareness of that, hold the awareness of that, and the release is involuntary. You don't have to do it. It will just, the, the thing will fall out. You know? Think of an overall metaphor. Sometimes these images can be helpful. Mm birth, we come into, historically, we come into a situation whereby, you know, we are in a very vulnerable, open state, jitter is very vulnerable and open, doesn't have boundaries. It's open, everything that happens it feels, it's got no defences. Yeah. It hasn't developed that stuff yet. It's really dependent upon shelter, safety from the caregivers. And they don't always get it right. Uh, sometimes just accidentally. Sometimes, you know, well, you know, historically, you know what families are like, you know. Some, really, some folks really, they're already battered themselves, so they're not in a great state. You know, they're stressed out themselves. They can't always do it. Yeah, or, you know, dad's got brutalized because his dad was brutalized by being in a war, so he taught his son to be brutal, so he's going to pass that on to you. This is what men are like. This is snap out of it, grow up, be a man kind of stuff. So, you know, little jitter doesn't get the kind of sense of, of, of you're okay, you're safe. It says snap out of it, you know. <laughs> uh, so there's essentially, for one reason or another, you know, Mother's schizophrenic, or dad's drunk, or who knows what, they're having a bad day, or they're in divorce, or yada, 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 or it's already stressed out, they've got three kids that didn't really want you anyway, but you happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh God, okay. So, you know, basically the, the, the kind of safe ground of, of safe love, safety, wasn't entirely there 100% of the time. Grateful it was there eighty percent of the time, otherwise you'd really be in trouble. But I imagine for most of us, you know, what do you expect? Perfection. So okay, you know, but still this isn't a reasonable process. Chitta feels a little bit less secure. Yeah. And it's gotta be something in order to to, you know, get that sense of security. So it so well if I I'll be a person and, and then 
prove I'm okay, you know, do the things that will make me get that extra bit, that sense of security, approval, comfort, I'm okay, I'm a good person, so forth. I'll do those things. Mm. So this is the kind of thing that happens to the person. And of course, as life goes on, there's a few more knocks it takes from its uh, other kids, parental, you know, other stuff happens that tell you you're not good enough. Uh, You're not big enough, you're too fat, you're too goofy, you're too stupid, you're too slazy, thick, dim-witted, oafish, ugly, (laughs) spotty. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Think of a few more of those knocks. And (laughs) poor old person tries to get it together to handle this impingement. So you get the armoring and the strategizing and the defending, you know, and, you know, so we get two particular responses that, that can occur at any level, any stage. One is the hyper, where we overreact, where we get into jumping into ideological positions to defend ourselves, to prove we're right, we're okay. Uh, you know, hyper arousal, where you get this kind of extreme jumping into activity, uh, that which is com- compulsive. We don't, you know, we feel we've got to do something to be something, you know whether it's just being polite or do something to be to be okay. The other one is the collapse, which is the hypo, means no matter what you do, you're defeated. You can't get it. So the best thing to do is just to cower a bit. You know, to go to to keep your keep keep your head down. Uh you know, so this is often this other pattern whereby it's not okay to get all you need. So you get the Oliver Twist syndrome, you know, where you, where you can't really, it feels uncomfortable to to take in all the good. You know, there's a sense of you're not good enough, you don't deserve. And that's another compulsive pattern that you may recognize in various forms and ways you get the anorexia of the heart and the bulimia of the heart. One is always trying to cram more stuff into it the other is I can't take. And they're both, you know, they play out in a number of ways and sometimes these can be, these kind of fundamental processes can be triggered by seemingly small things, you know. So this is the, the blueprint of the person. These are often these patterns are, are really quite primary patterns that kind of get all kinds of other stuff placed upon them. You know, the, the the times when one withdraws because one, you know, the problem of contact, interpersonal contact, where you feel yourself either withdrawing because there's a feeling of I'm not as I haven't got what it takes to be, and I probably never will, so I better just withdraw. Or the movement forward, you know, where you're trying to prove you're okay, or you know, things like that. So, and it can swing one way and another way. So, this kind of acts as then the basis of the karma. And, you know, when you look at some of this patterning, the extraordinary painful truth of it is that the person is like a like a something that's got some wounds in it. And it tends to seek the arrow that will fit. Mm. You know, so if this is how you get these kind of strange relationships or going into situations where, oh right, I'm the person who has to be at the end of the line because I'm not quite good enough. So you go to the end of the line. You feel comfortable there. I'm the person who has to do it all. You've got that one. I'm the person who has to make it all work. So you go to the front of the line and overwork. Even though it stresses you out, both of them feel uncomfortable, that's my place. My place is to take on more than I possibly can manage. <laughs> what? You know? And you don't even know you're doing it. You have an obligation pattern. Yeah. Something's going wrong, I have to do it. I have to change it. Mm, really? You know, that compulsion. 
So we seek the arrow that fits, and you get really patterned into that. You get personalised, that becomes your personal fixture, and everybody else recognises, oh, yeah, she's the one who does it all. Here, here's some more. <laughs> He's the one at the end of the line. All right, I can stand behind me. You know, that's his place. That kind of thing. So it starts to play out, and you get this social context where people form in these particular situations. Yeah. We don't really notice it because it seems so normal, and the stress of it seems normal. But there is a way out of it. Uh, it means not being who you assume you are. If this you begin to acknowledge perhaps some of those trends, those tendencies. Here I go into black and white thinking. This is right. I am right. She is right. This is wrong. I don't think so. I think it's shades of grey. I've got to do, I've got to make, I've got to put this work. I don't think so. I think it's a possibility, if you feel like it, to, you know, put forth some energy. Yeah. If that, that's, you feel that sense of interest, yeah, you could do that, but you know, I have to. Yeah. Got to get it absolutely right, got to get it absolutely right, got to get it absolutely right. Perfect performance, get it right, get it because the next person. I don't think it's going to happen, because the next person is just your dream of perfection. There is no next person. It's just your chitta and its personal predicament. And your notions of perfection, which keep being thrown in front of you and you race after them. There is no perfection. But if you want to do some good, yeah, great, do some good. Lovely. Don't ever expect to get it right, that's all. So you start to see, you know, there's a possibility for the, the person to form in a healthy way. But for that, we have to unplug these overcharged or undercharged. And the undercharge is, well, this is good, but I can't do it. There's some nice stuff here, but I can't have it. He's better than me. I can't manage that. I always make mistakes. You know, the defeatism, the sabotage, where we're comparing ourselves with others. What others? Where are they? <laughs> They're coming out of your, it's your, your formations, your mental formations are creating them. That's how come they sit in your heart. The person imagines they move forward in time and therefore they expect results in time. If I do this, it might be a bit difficult now, but in the future I'll get my rewards. Yeah. It might be a bit, I might have to kind of bruise myself a bit now, but in the future I'll get the good stuff. In the, nope. <laughs> Jitter doesn't move in time. Personally, you may get some bonus and a perks and a, you know, whatever it is, a new dog or a mortgage or whatever you wanted. Yeah, yeah. But it won't get you to the end of suffering. Because <laughs> the, the jitter has only two things it can do. One is suffer and the other is stop suffering. That's its sole trajectory, yeah. in essence. And this means really that, because you, you can see no matter, essentially, yeah, we can have um, more comfort, yeah, more pleasant home, meet some nice people. Won't stop you suffering though, essentially. 
But it's not one shouldn't do that, but you want to do enough of that to get you in a place where you can deal with the real business here. Mm. So, yeah, a person moves for, seems to move in time, moves forward in time from cause to effect, from karma action to results, better results. No, it does that. We move forward in time. We notice this body is seems to move forward in time, changing, aging, so forth. The years clock up. The numbers keep rolling, and then, bock, you know, <laughs> a few more. You know, suddenly you're going to the hospital more often, <laughs> and oh well, there it goes. You know. So yeah, there's that movement in time for the personal. Machita doesn't move in time. That's how come you're still remembering, you're still acting upon effects that happened years ago. When I say you, I mean we. Still acting upon blueprints that were laid down years ago. Perhaps even previous lives, if you, you know, if you penetrate or take that or have a realization of that. We're still acting upon old blueprints. We don't even realize they're there. That's how chitta moves. It's propelled by vipaka, by old karma. Good and bad and mingled. It's pushed through that. Yeah. And it doesn't get to the end of it by, by acting on it. In other words, as long as we keep following it, it doesn't get to the end of it. It just perpetuates that. Plays it out the same act in different stages, in different scenarios, with different people, with different situations, still enacts the same personal package in various forms. It moderates, but it's still essentially the same package. Still keeps generating, so it doesn't move forward in time. It's pushed along in terms of old karma to keep repeating the same package, the same patterning. It moves because of that. Yeah. It moves through karma. And also, in a more positive sense, it can. It not only can be pushed by karma, it can also move out of karma. It can move itself through release out of the karmic vortex, out of the perpetuation. Buddhist term from samsara to nibbana. Yeah. That's not a movement in time. That's a movement in terms of chitta. Chitta doesn't move in time, doesn't move in terms of space. No matter where you go, there you are. No matter where you go, same patterning comes up sooner or later. Mm doesn't move in terms of space and time. It keeps being moved along by old karma and it keeps regenerating new karma in line with that or it can start generating the karma that leads to the end of karma, which is the karma of calm, jhana, penetration, absorption, opening, deepening, skillfulness, all that, and release comes through insight. So this is the karma that leads to the end of it, where, oh, there's something else here other than the person package. Now, you know, where is that? Is it in the future? Well, in some ways you could say it is. It may take a while to get to the end of time. <laughs> you may have to move through different places and different scenarios in order to get to nowhere. <laughs> it's true. But release is not in time or in space. It's in terms of karma and chitta. Where's that? So 
So we might say awareness is timeless. Wherever you are, you're aware of it. Seemingly obvious, seemingly so what? I'm aware of feeling fed up and disappointed. The main thing is I'm disappointed and fed up. No, no, the main thing is you're aware of it. That doesn't move in terms of time or space. There is the the key, the chink in the door that you can see, oh yeah, you go into that. How'd you get into that? What can give me the kind of gravity or the, that can help me to lean into that place where I'm not so compulsively dragged out, even if I get a flash of insight, oh yeah, that's what it could be, but still the pressure, the push of the old car is so strong that I get halfway near it and then something comes up like, oh, I don't deserve this, or I've got to do something else right now. <laughs> yeah, I'll be aware tomorrow. <laughs> Today I've got to feed the budgie or, you know, milk the dog or something. <laughs> There's that shying away because the funny thing is that that place, you know, the person package realizes, oh, this is where I'm falling apart. Whoops, don't want that, you know. I'm coming out of my blueprint. Oh, it doesn't feel so easy. Oh, I feel uncomfortable. You know, I'm coming out of the known. Whoops, feel don't feel safe. Doesn't feel like me anymore. And there's a knee-jerk reaction into the default mechanisms of Either I've got to become something, got to make something happen, or I can't do this. It's not for me. I, I have something shoes me away from it. It's kind of fear and desire, essentially. Unconscious. Bhavatana, you say, is a kind of fear, a movement away, you know, to form some. Vibhavatana, the movement away. Bhavatana, the movement to become these basic movements. So, you know why I emphasize body meditation is that you, you almost work on the nervous reflexes through the somatic sense, you know, through calming the body's nerve. Okay, you know, reword it somatic intelligence. What's that? Well, we could call it a nervous system for a one of a better word, it's a little bit more than that, but that's not bad. You know, the, the jumpy and the sinking senses in your guts, in your heart, in your chest, in your throat, in your face, in your eyes, in your skin, yeah, and all kinds of other places where it suddenly contracts or goes numb or disappears. Get the vacuity, the empty space, the oh, you know. Where's that? Places. Now, the point is that jitta, this is one of our, my anyway, um, axis of the teaching is that the jitta is mapped on the body. Its wounds are mapped on the body. Also, its fundamental health is mapped on the body. Just let that idea rest there. What I'm saying is, you know, as you well know, that when you feel jumpy, you feel that in your body. When you feel frightened, you feel that in your body. When you feel loving and warm, you feel that in your body. When you feel safe and secure, you feel that in your body. You feel comfortable, you feel easy. Yeah? That's, you could say it's your nervous system. This is where the jitta, the psychological, the mental, and the physical meet. Right? And now, you know, because the psychological stuff is so convoluted, so reactive towards itself. You know, so much I can't even acknowledge some of my difficult psychologists so embarrassing, or I just don't even want to know them, or I keep blaming myself or comparing myself. It just gets so reactive. I'm just coming to the bodily sense of that, where the reactivity is less dynamic. Uh, it's less um, personal. The person is a problem. And that normally psychologically, when I trigger, I go into the person with all his stories. And that looks to lock itself into the wound. That, because that's familiar to me. 
I'm used to being second rate. I'm used to being the one who has to do it all. I'm used to being this and that and the other. So it forms in that way. Frustrating. Yeah. So coming into the bodily sense of that, all we want to know really is not who I am or what I am and whether I am and why I am and who made me this way and da 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 da. We just want to know there's that sense of tightening, there's that sense of numbing, there's that sense of suddenly feeling them all up in my face or suddenly sensing my shoulder, my body feels irregular. Uh, we don't know why, but take it from me, there's a blueprint there. And, uh, well, don't take it from me, find out for yourself. Uh, but you could recognize in this body, in this nervous intelligence, there's, there's suffering and you don't want that. And it's actually deeply relevant. It's not irrelevant to the rest of your life. It's not this is some interesting little hobby now and then that we do. Or isn't that curious, you know? This is not about uh, that. It's about as you begin to perhaps realize occasionally how that particular sense of, of who I am really energizes this aspect of embodiment. It could be I feel small. It could be not just the place in the body. It could be the whole sense of I feel small, shrunken, pathetic. My body feels weak. It's actually just the same as it was five minutes ago, really. What happened? You don't know, but that kind of happened. Or it feels suddenly very tight. Or it feels cold and frozen. Or it feels just bursting with energy. So it could be bodily effects, or it could be bodily places where these blueprints start emerging with their strange, illogical and non-verbal experiences. But what you want to know is, well, how deep this goes, you don't know, but you do know this is, this is dukkha. And say so, breathing in and out, calm, that steady rhythm, coming to rhythmic and in, involuntary. Touching into the involuntary of breathing. That's why that is presented, is this is the piece that the person doesn't do. If the person does it, they're going to stick their blueprint hands all over it and mess it up again. So we have to come to that place where it really isn't mine, it's happening by itself. And, you know, and really all I have to do as a person is keep doing the nudging and the tuning to come back to that involuntary quality. Now that's the involuntary quality is significant. This is nature. Again, this term, it's a natural form and it has a natural health to it. The natural body, the natural breathing, the natural ease, you know, underneath the person, underneath the damaged, underneath the twisted, whatever it is, that natural ease is, you know, it's comfortable, it's steady, I don't have to make it, do, do it, be it, have it, attain it, achieve something with it. Programs, my personal programs can be put aside with that one. And it starts to, strange enough, do a lot better than when I try to make it work. Yeah. So probably if you spent time in relationship with mindfulness of breathing, you begin to recognize you're probably doing a lot better with breathing than before you got mindful of it. As soon as you started being mindful of it, it got to be a project to get good at. And then, the, then it all started, didn't it? <laughs> you know, a personal project. Well, we've lost something in the involuntary, the involuntary gift of that. Yeah, there is a personal project, but it isn't. It's just to, what it takes to align oneself to something so natural that perhaps at first you don't really even have words for it. You can't quite get it in your on your screen. So at first it's quite soft, it's maybe, yeah. But you sense a vitality moving through your body, you sense the swelling. 
And first of all, the ground. You prepare the ground by, can you even tune into that? Have you put aside, are you comfortable enough to be able to attend to that? If you're not fundamentally, basically comfortable enough, then you're always going to be nervy about it. If you also make an idea you've got to be good at it, that's going to mess it up. Because you put tension in there. If you've got to feel you've got to achieve something, you're going to put tension in there. Going to, your personal package is going to go in there. Uh, if you start comparing yourself with somebody in a book, you're going to mess it up. Because your personal comparison package is going to come in there. If you've got to prove yourself as being a good meditator, as good as she is or he is, you're going to mess it up. <laughs> trust the body, trust the nature. You don't seem to be doing very much, but you're doing something powerful which is ending the personal package in a subtle way, in a not, over, not complete way, but to a degree there's a place where you don't have to be somebody with all that all that that means and if that means all i can just sit here feeling breathing in out now and then some vague sense but i'm not making an issue out of it well done the more natural you get the more that thing is going to come through the jitta and the body the somatic body both really respond to your intelligence to your dhamma to your, you know, to your personal uh, willingness, openness, attentiveness to it. If you start cooperating with your body, with your internal body as it is, it will rise up and it will look after you. If you start responding to your jitta as it actually is, with its needs for safety, for harmony, for internal warm attention it's going to come up and really look after you yeah. and this is the one you want to feed that this is the pro this is the what jhana is about it means absorb feed yourself on the good and the good could be is the nat natural good you know first of all the, the involuntary gift of here we are we're given birth we're given life we're given breathing how marvelous imagine if you were struggling for breath imagine if you were coming out of a smoke-filled room imagine if you were suffering from an asthma attack how beautiful one clean easy breath would feel oh what a relief i couldn't want anything more except now i fancy a peanut butter sandwich <laughs> Because, you know, just to abide in, in, in that which is given, <laughs> now that, that's already coming out of your personal package, isn't it? Yeah. This is the, this is the process of, 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 of jhana, of jayati. To absorb into, into the good. And then you can also begin to absorb into actually acknowledging Perhaps there were choices you've made and you made some good ones. You know, you could have not cooperated, but you did cooperate. You may have been for, you know, perhaps mingled reasons, you know. But yeah, you, you know, you know, all kinds of unskillful things that human beings can do and you didn't do them. You didn't curse, swear, cheat, lie, steal, beat people up, you know, which, you know, very common human behavior. You didn't do it. But you probably thought, wow, no, it doesn't matter. Didn't even notice it. So this again is the personal blueprint. Uh, defeat, um, you know, what's it called? Disabling yourself, sabotaging. You don't notice your goodness because ah, it doesn't matter. It does matter. And just taking that in, this is why Sila, your goodness, not anybody else's, <laughs> The bad that you you could have done but didn't do, the potencies of it, of unskillfulness that you didn't act upon, and the potencies for good that you did act upon, are to be acknowledged, felt, 
not just acknowledged as ego trophies, but felt as harmonious energies, lovely energies, lovely heart touches. Yeah, not personal trophies, but lovely conditions that beautifully how grateful one can be to realize a skillful thought arose in me. <laughs> Where do they come from? Yeah. We they come from the results, from our wisdom, from our education, from our skillful models, from our own understanding, there is the good. Drink it in, it will certainly that will feed into how you know you you meditate because it will feed into your you know and begin to wear out the sense of compulsive grasping or compulsive dropping. You feel more you know. so good karma definitely helpful. And then you know taking that into into your body through your nervous system. Mm till we can perhaps have one breath that we didn't control or worry about whether we're getting it right or not. Uh, yeah, and beginning to trust that as the breath then will lengthen, steady, calm, deepen, because I've got out of the way and it will find its, its, its it will travel it will start to fill your entire body. It will go right down your body through these fear restrictions in your belly, in your throat, in your pelvic floor, the gripping of control and fear and anxiety and so forth. They will start to release and it's going to start to flood your body. And you're going to feel really comfortable with that. Till eventually that body becomes the body that you know and trust and this is this thing is the clothes you wear, which you look after because it's good to have something to wear in a personal world. So, breathing in, breathing out, allowing it, finding a place where it can't quite go yet, softening, widening, sensing. Just waiting. If the physical breath doesn't go there, that's not what it's about. There's an energy breath behind that. That's subtler and always extends beyond the physical breath. It's like the physical breath is like me striking the bell. And notice how long that resonance goes. That's right, like the breath itself. You get the sensation of the breath and then there's that subtle tracing of energy, it always extends further. And because of this, literally, you know, the energy breath, you can breathe that energy breath through your shoulders, your eyes, your legs, your feet, to where the physical breath cannot go. Yeah. But to, to touch into that, and you, you access it prim probably primarily right in the pauses between the in-breath and the out-breath is probably the place where you're going to first notice what is it that pulls breath in? What happens when the sensations pass? There's still some sense of a subtle subsiding that goes to rest. And then as something starts to pull and the sensations come up again. Track the sensations best you can. Keep coming back, tracking the sensations and tracking something, as you get more comfortable that, tracking something that the sensations fit within a wider body of somatic energy, nervous intelligence, subtle field. Yeah. Oh. 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 Yeah. Deepening softening, widening. That's the process. And from there you begin to notice when the jump occurs from that 
from something quite subtle and subsiding and gently swelling into something that leaps and triggers. Oh, just pause. Breathe out through that. Don't deal with it. Don't go into it. Just breathe out through that. You'll be amazed at what things can unfold.